How can I forget you, girl, when there are always Beatles songs that need ranking? Always Beatles songs that need ranking. That's terrible. That was pretty excellent. Hi, everybody. Hi. I love that you did that because, listeners, I have a confession to make. I did not know that that song was a cover. And we were in the car yesterday listening to like an oldies station. And the original version came on, and I was like, <laughs> like my brain was scrambled, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. And he looked at me, and he was like, yeah, this is a cover. And I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. The more you know. <laughs> yeah, it was totally mind blown. Like usually, I'm actually, I'm pretty good at knowing when things are a cover, but yeah. for some reason, I just completely missed that that song is a cover. It's okay. I, th- I think the original is very obscure. Oh, good. Thank yeah. you for making me feel a little bit better. <laughs> Wink. <laughs> You're like, it went triple platinum. All right. <laughs> big hit, big hit. Welcome to episode 38, everybody, of Ranking the Beatles. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, as usual, I am Jonathan. Over here to my left, the one and only. Julia. Yeah. Hope everyone is having a wonderful week. Um, we're going to jump into it. we got a really good episode today, y'all. It's a bit of a, a crossover, a bit of a collab between... Uh, two um, Beatles podcasts as this world of Beatles podcast coalesces into a a powerful force. Um, Very excited about it. Our guest today, you know, when we first started our show, I kind of went on a deep dive into the world of Beatles podcasts. Uh, And I enjoy a good pun more than a lot of people. I'm into the dad jokes. So when I discovered his Paul McCartney podcast, Paul or Nothing, I was sold just on name alone. Contents could have been total shit, but I was in because the name was brilliant. It does not hurt at all that the show is a fantastic trip into the world of all things Paul, Beatles, Wings, Solo, and that he's a really, really funny dude. Now, he also hosts the Tom Waits podcast, Down in the Hole, but I'm a little disappointed it's not called Tom Waits for no one. That said, everybody, please welcome to the show, Sam Wiles. Sam, how are you, my friend? Tell you what, um, could we do more sort of a boom, 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 you know, <laughs> just something a bit more, sounds a bit dead otherwise, bit you dead. know. <laughs> like a true McCartney aficionado telling me how to do my own show, my own intro. I love it. Oh, I was, I was just as rude on Blotto Beatles as well, don't worry. <laughs> and so you should be, they deserve it. No, it's not that. We love those guys. Everyone knows we love those guys. Let me just say thank you both for having me on your own excellent Beatles podcast, though. Oh, thank you. Um, and I always like to get in on the ground floor early with with the newer ones, though. Once I realized the format of the show, I was like, oh, the song I really want to talk about is really early in the format because it's not ranked very highly. So I'm <laughs> I am I'm looking forward to uh, discussing this one. But, Wonderful. Um, just just to uh, make you sit there and take a compliment for a full minute, I just want to say I love the conversational like tone of this podcast because I'm known myself for like doing 40 minutes housekeeping segments when I'm not even talking to another person. <laughs> but um, like the episode with 
uh, Julia's cousin. Like, not only did I get some top tier Beatle chat, but I had this incredibly cool, insightful tangent about medical care in the US and the yeah. pandemic. And I was like, <laughs> I fucking love this. This is great. Yes. I'm really into it. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. That uh, that means a lot. Yeah, this is um, neither of us have ever podcasted before this uh, before this mm. show, and you've done no on mic of anything really oh my gosh no i have zero experience basically talking to other humans like i (laughs) (laughs) i am an introvert like you talk to the dogs yeah i talk to the dogs a lot i talk to you a lot um like six people in my life i talk to frequently and that's really about it (laughs) and if one of them is not careful it's gonna be five (laughs) i don't know who that is no but we we cannot under under appreciate how brave Julia is because I've gone into the Paul McCartney fan base uh, like knowingly handicapping myself like I haven't gone forward and listened to like new and memory almost full that kind of thing Julia's a casual Beatles fan doing a podcast that's that's like dangerous like what are you doing that's like whoa I do feel like sometimes you're people like get a, passionate about this stuff. I feel like yeah. sometimes you're like a flag just kind of like billowing in the wind just <laughs> waiting for something to tear into it like, you're a kite dancing in a hurricane Mr. Bond yeah. <laughs> yes that is exactly it there was like one I and this was like pretty early on someone found me on Twitter like my personal account and was like Ah, oh, you hate Paul. And I was like, I that was don't. Like, huh? That was like the first time anyone talked about our show on Twitter. Yeah. That wasn't you or me. Yeah. Um, it was so weird. We didn't even have a Twitter for the show. And, <laughs> and that's so why they found my personal. I just like searched ranking the Beatles. And it was a bunch of like BuzzFeed articles and other stuff from a few years back. And then one guy was like, I listened to this show ranking the Beatles. I don't know why they would do this. They don't even like Paul. And I was no, like, they didn't listen to the show. No. They were right. just You're right. gauging he was like, by the I didn't titles. listen to the show, but gauging by the first couple episodes, they don't like Paul. And we've gotten a lot of comments about, like, why don't you like Paul? And that blows my mind because we've devoted the next three-plus years of our life to his band. Like, you can't dislike <laughs> the guy if you're doing that. Like, and I was, like, trying to toe the line between, like, fuck off out of my mentions and also being <laughs> somewhat polite. Um, because it was just like a ridiculous statement. And I was like, I mean, you could listen to the podcast first and then make a judgment call about whether we like Paul or not. Or you could just like be an asshole on the Internet. Those are your two choices. I wonder <laughs> if he's still listening. <laughs> if that's you and you're out there, listener, apologies. <laughs> we like that you. may have been me on Twitter. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I drink a lot. You know, I, I black out. I, I say a lot of mean things on Twitter. <laughs> Though I do have to I do have to say. You can't totally play stupid here. Let's just look at the rankings of some Paul songs. 183, Drive My Car. 185, The Night Before. 192, What You're Doing. 190, like, I know this is a bit, right? But 194, Back in the USSR. What the fuck? (laughs) What? Look, if I want to hear second-rate Beach Boys, I'm going to go listen to any Mike Love produced album in the 70s. Like, I'm just, okay. (laughs) I feel like your your face also, is melting right now. I'm sorry. I'm I'm guessing Drive My Car was so low because you listened to the wrong version of Rubber Soul where it doesn't open the album. No, I, the, the the first version I I heard was the British version. Like I bought the CD before I got the American. Then I am aghast. I oh my god. I oh. don't dislike it. There's just way more songs I like more. <laughs> You look like one of those things at a car dealership just now where your arms are <laughs> flailing. Wailing and play, play the long tube, man, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I honestly, I don't dislike any song. I've just, I've made the 
the brutal decision of it's got to go somewhere, and I like X more than Y. So I just put it there. You like 184 X's more than Y. <laughs> I like Honey Don't more than I like The Long and Winding Road. And at some point, I have to pay the fiddler for that decision. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Like you're saying Maxwell Silver Hammer is worse than Good Morning, Good Morning uh, or uh, Piggies or Run for Your Life. Dr. Robert. No, we already did Run for Your Life. That's gone. Oh, that, that one's gone. OK. You, you've done that one. Let you want number 187. Egg on my face. Sorry about that. That's OK. okay. But, There's been quite a few yeah, so far. Um, I'm here today with a massive pro Paul bias because. He's the best Beatle. He's the best musician, the best vocalist, the best songwriter. He was the cute one. I've, you know, I'm not going to sit here like I'm this impartial BBC correspondent. Like I am, <laughs> I am totally pro Paul. Uh, if I could, I would set up like a, a, a political advocate group to lobby so that you know he get pack. even more rights on his songs. You know, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> I, I'll buy anything of his, you know, I'm, I'm completely sold. I and, will say this. I, I think as I've yeah. gotten older, I definitely started out as like hardcore John fan. Like I was very pro John. Um, as I have gotten older, as I've played more music and written more music and been involved in more music and just lived more and dealt with all kinds of other people, I've become way bigger of a Paul fan than I used to mm-hmm. be. Um, I think I'm more sympathetic to having to be the guy to rally a band of mm-hmm. like three very large egos. And not that I, not that anyone in my band ever had massive egos, but having to like rally a group of any people is incredibly hard. And dealing with those personalities mm-hmm. is so much work, uh, especially like if one of those personalities is like a drug addict and like goes through bouts of depression and addiction. And like Mm -hmm. those things are incredibly challenging. So like I have so much more sympathy for the guy. I've also grown to appreciate his work way more, but I also feel like as I've gotten older, I've grown less. um, What's what I'm looking for. I, I see them more human so I can apply that same like human, um, judgment to things and say like well not everything is infallible like not every song is the best thing in the world like i can openly admit like i love a lot of mccartney solo stuff his 80s work i just don't like it i just don't enjoy it i don't know why i mean i I can get into why i don't and we probably will but like spies like us like oh my god come on can you defend spies like us? Listeners, you can't see Sam, but he's absolutely flailing <laughs> over Zoom. Just flailing. I just around. wanted to lob the first grenade if I could. But like this is like my go to though. Like how can can you can you can you defend spies like us? Can you tell me that's a good it's song? Got, it, it, it's got my carnival on the B side. Um, also trash. Uh, <laughs> As a New Orleanian, I have to like I have to call that song out for being awful. Look, I, are you implying that McCartney didn't quite fully adopt the, the Dr. John uh, music, <laughs> musical styling? Uh, no. Even it, Alan Toussaint could not song save that song on piano. Gumbo, a One of my favorite Linda songs. Oh, my gosh. So good. As someone who can't sing, I've always, like, you know, in a movie when you've got a really bland, generic character that you're just supposed to project yourself onto, like Linda's voice is that for the audience for me. Like, yeah, I can go, "Hey, Jude," along with Paul, and I still kind of feel like I'm in tune. You're close enough. You 
<laughs> but Spice, Spice Like Us is a great song. It, it's it's one of those ones that I discovered really late into it. So, <laughs> like, you know, so something like uh, Old Brown Shoe was the last new Beatles song I ever heard. So it's the freshest one. So it's it's way higher up in my own rankings sure. than it would be if I could magically listen to them all at the same time. Sure, sure. And Spies Like Us is one of the latest McCartney ones I ever heard, really. And so it's still fresh ooh, for ooh, you. What do you do? No one else can dance like you. Come on, that's just it's silly. It's peak silly Paul. Uh, the guitar's quite fun for what it is. It's you don't get very eighties like McCartney. Very eighties. Yeah. But the the best McCartney eighties stuff, and I'm sure I'll get into this when I talk about my Macca and Beatle origins. But the unreleased stuff from like the Phil Ramone sessions is like some of his best work, and it, mm-hmm. never, it never got put out. Uh, you know, Press to Play has been horribly mixed. Not a bad song on it, right. in my personal opinion. But, you know, we, we don't need a remaster when the archive edition comes out. We need a remix, a remix. where yeah, Hugh Padgham just goes bye-bye, bring back in Eric Stewart or something. Mm-hmm. I'd go I'd go crazy for that. And it would sell at least 12 copies, you know? Because <laughs> you're going to buy at least 11 of them. <laughs> I've only got two Different McCartney formats. 3s. Um, I'm, I, I, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to name him on this podcast, but there's another uh, Paul McCartney podcaster that's has a penchant for buying uh, expensive <laughs> Paul McCartney vinyl. Yeah. And I talk about him too much on my own show, so I'm not even going to do it here. <laughs> uh, but I'm not like that. Mostly because I can't, I can't afford it, but I know that if I could, I'd just be down at HMV getting like the White Album box set, the Abbey Road box yeah. set. And then I, I'd lay them out on my bed like I've won money in a gangster movie and then just roll... <laughs> roll around on them it is very expensive to be a beatles fan it is it really is goodness oh, good grief enough of that let's i want to know as you mentioned let's talk your origin story where do the beatles and paul mccartney enter your life uh i, I guess like most people it was through my parents but mm-hmm. uh I think my earliest actual memory was uh, Mr. Rook in year four, one of my teachers, and he played Yellow Submarine on acoustic guitar. And I was like, oh, this is fun. And we were all clapping along. And I just thought it was like a nursery rhyme or something. And this is going to date the story somewhat for our younger listeners. But uh, my dad uh, lent me his original iPod, the big brick one. And like, folks, there was an amazing platform called LimeWire, where oh, you'd have yeah. to download each individual song individually, risking, you know, imprisonment from the feds. And <laughs> his iPod was a mess. It was poorly organized, incorrectly titled, and incorrectly ordered. So for me, I was introduced to like a song like Glass Onion, which went on to She Came In Through the Bathroom Window, which then went into Free As A Bird. And I started building up this entirely incorrect Beatles canon in my mind. And some of them were like the anthology tracks that I didn't even know about, like what the fuck was the anthology. So then like for me, the twangy jangly demo of something, that's the definitive version for me. Right, right. I've heard you talk about that. And 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 that's like in our episode the other uh, other week with uh, with Celeste, Uh her, she thought the anthology version of Rocky Raccoon was the actual Mm. canon version. So it wasn't, you know, till later that she learned sminking was not actually in the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. I, I actually listened to that episode today, so to hear that joke again is quite surreal, actually. <laughs> deja vu moment. But um, the story is then dated by another iPod. Like, it's a very Apple-based story, but not the right way. <laughs> and 
uh, I had an iPod Nano, so you know we're, we're getting a bit slimmer here. And I lent it to my friend Tom. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were they were an awful uh, device, very fragile as well. But uh, I lent it to my friend Tom, who I did the Tom Waits podcast with. And the first thing he did with that iPod was to rename it Gimli's Balls, which I couldn't change. Uh, I always had to have that in my pocket every day. But then he put on a little album called Revolver. Yeah. It was, oh, it was over. You know, I can remember being in Miss Snyder's art class, year 11, and just hearing one, two, three, four, three, four. Boom, bow. Done. Convert instantly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, with Paul... Uh, the introduction came through my dad. Uh, he and my mom used to listen to Band on the Run when they were first going out in in like the seventies. So if I ever put like Bluebird or my mom will come in the lounge all teary eyed and nostalgic, you know. But, uh, <laughs> my dad uh, gave me his copy of Band on the Run, which he stole, and his copy of Wings Greatest. And I'm going to say allegedly for this next part because I'm not sure what the uh, laws on here are but allegedly after uh, a night of smoking many herbal cigarettes shall we say at university uh, <laughs> i listened to with a little luck for the first time and i i don't know what it was but you know when it cuts to like the little story i just start uncontrollably crying it was the biggest emotional release a song ever gave wow. me that really impacted me oh yeah that's Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Quick timeout, quick timeout. How, if I may ask, how old are you? I am staring both barrels down at 30. I'm 28 years old okay. now. Okay, fair. Okay, yeah. so um, I have a brother who's like two years older than you. When he was younger, he used to watch um, Thomas the Tank Engine, Shining Time Station. And then Thomas went over the hill. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With, yeah. with Mr. Conductor, you know, Three Sheets to the Wind on wine coolers. Um, the theme song on that show literally goes bum, 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 bum. it's the same melody as the start of the solo for with a little luck so now I always hear that and I think of Thomas the Tank Engine when I hear that song So, so after you have this no, emotional connection to with a little luck, that's the kind of tangent that I appreciate on a Beatles podcast. Thank you. It, it really is. Uh, I it, then got the McCartney album and Ram, and then I thought mm, it's actually quite good. This is, and around this time, the Tom Waits podcast came to an end. Mm -hmm. We had our first of several hiatus sigh hiatuses. I'm not sure how you say that. Um, and I thought. I can't do a Beatles podcast on my own. That, that's, that's it. That's it. That's insane. That's a real undertaking. I can't think of many where it's just one person on, the, on their own tackling the entire catalog. You mm -hmm. know, you definitely need someone to bounce ideas off. Yeah, but for sure. I looked at Lennon and I looked at Harrison and I was like, there's not, there's not a lot of meat here. Whereas Paul's got the unreleased material, movies, books, tours, TV appearances, documentaries, I mean, I got three hours out of Kanye West collaborations for fuck's sake, you know, um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's so much to get into and I haven't found myself without new avenues to explore. And eventually that day will come and I'm 
absolutely dreading that. It'll probably be a real uh, eye-opening experience. But yeah. I mean, I'm you know I've got to do up in the clouds, and I've still I've still got to do Rupert the Frog, uh, one hand Rupert the Bear, Rupert the Bear, Twin Freaks, the Fireman, his orchestral stuff. There's just yeah. so much to tackle, and it's all good. It's all at least good. And every time I approach a new album, I'm like oh god. Oh, it's back to the egg. I'm really dreading this. Or, oh, oh no, it's pipes of peace. Everyone's told me this is absolute tosh. And then I'm like, oh wow, I, I love almost every single song on this album. And I'd like to think, in my own little way, I'm going to try and change some opinions along along the way and give it a bit more of a recontextualization, shall we say? Yeah. Um, there's there's very little about Paul that I don't like. Krina Crawre aside, <laughs> that's the one that sticks in your craw. It used to be Mumbo, the one that really pissed me off. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, maybe I'm amazed. To, it, it should just be maybe, maybe I'm amazed and then leave it there. But uh, that McCartney album is a bit of a mess all over, even though it's one of my favorites. Sure. Did mm-hmm. uh, had you did you do any deep dives into the other solo careers at the same time? Oh, it's embarrassing how little I've actually done. Like Ringo, I've heard <laughs> the Ringo album, and then the song "Goodnight Vienna." Yeah, uh, maybe back off Boogaloo, something like that. Uh, Lennon, I've done the first two albums, and then Live in New York City. I, I, I've never visited Men Love Avenue. I've never played any mind games. Um, I didn't even mean to make puns there. Though. I was about to say that was really well <laughs> yeah, <out>. uh, <laughs> that, just, that just came out. But and then and then Harrison, it's like. I know all things must pass like the back of my hand with some pride, but then it's like, what extra, extra texture? What's that? Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Like there's some... for someone whose favorite Beatles movie is living in the material world by Scorsese. I know a hilarious lack of. <laughs> Harrison. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like I put off a lot of solo career deep dives for those guys for a long time. Cause you know, with Paul, there's so much and it's still growing um, with John's. You'd always heard for years, like how lackluster mind games is or walls and bridges with Georgia stuff. You know, you had your big hits off of all things must pass. And then uh, you were, I was always kind of told everything else was kind of trash until um, uh, oh, what's it called? Shit. Cloud nine. Cloud nine. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah and even then, like, I don't know. I have I have is- issues with Jeff Lynn's production, but that's just my own, you know, cross. Hey, we're from the same town. You leave us brummies alone. Thank you very much. <laughs> he, I think he's a great dude. I just I don't know. I, I think and I think this actually leads a little bit into my dislike of Paul's 80s work. I think I sometimes have a hard time separating quality of song from production style. So, Do not talk to Ken Michaels. He will have your head for such really? talking. <laughs> really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, Sam, I, I don't care what the song sounds like. A good song is a good song, you know? Like, <laughs> and and I've been totally twisted towards that. I, uh, You know, you don't watch King Kong 1933 and go, ooh, the special effects aren't very good, are they? You know, it, you, have to, you have to look at it in, in a context. And... Yeah. When you look at it in the context of, you know, Paul's trying to like outsell the human league at this point, like things are going to get weird. So <laughs> embrace it. Yeah. I, I think that's just, you know, I was thinking about this the other day in context of like his live bands, because I really enjoy 
his live albums. Um, but I tend to never want to go back to um, like tripping the live fantastic or mm. the unplugged one. Cause they sound so of that time um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the musicianship uh, the, like, you can tell they're playing on very like, modern 1988's finest new Yamaha guitar. <laughs> and it just sounds like that to me. Um, so, and, and I think, you know, Paul always, I think he's always fancied himself a contemporary artist, even as mm. he's grown to accept his legacy status. Um, and I think the best thing that he could have done was when he stopped trying to sound contemporary mm-hmm. and sound like of the moment and just oh, I am not looking forward to like memory almost full or see I will um, tell you this. kisses from the like that era it's like oh kisses on the bottom not 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 down with but I will argue and I will I I will do this with you at another time um <laughs> from um chaos and creation in the backyard memory almost full new uh, a good bit of egypt station and to mccartney 3 I think he has been on an incredible tear that is just as good as his best solo work at any other time. Um, I shouldn't I shouldn't have listened to New, I really shouldn't have, but uh, I kind of heard that when it originally came out, even before I was a proper McCartney fan, just because there was a new Paul McCartney album. Cool, I'll go check it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, back, when, back when you had to hope someone uploaded it to YouTube. Right. Uh, before, <laughs> yeah, um, dating myself once again there, but... <laughs> new is so fucking good there's like a run of yeah. five songs that are it's it's like um it's the like early days appreciate mm-hmm. i can bet and i'm like yeah these are incredible quality i cannot believe he's able to still produce music that generates an emotional reaction I don't, you know that sounds a bit poncy to say but no i still think that's very accurate, gets me yeah. to emote and yeah I, I Very think few artists can can do that. I think you know with with new he used a few different producers. I think Mark Ronson was on it. I think Giles Martin did something on it, but they never went into a completely like of the moment thing. And I think that mm-hmm. record works really well because of it. Where I think Egypt Station suffers is you don't like fur you, do you? I can tell where this is going. You don't like fur you. <laughs> it's catchy, but it just it sounds like any artist of the, the day could have done that. It I could be want to know how you feel. <laughs> like it just, I'm still young kids. Come on. Dance for me. It's very like, I'm hip. I'm tucka, 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 tucka. It's like that gif. It's like, how do you do fellow kids? Right, yeah. <laughs> like it's very much like that. Um, it just sounds like any other, you know, current young artist could have put that song out. Um, and I think that boils down to like the production is very like modern production. And I think that part of Egypt station will not age well over time. Um, which is why I kind of love what he's done with McCartney three. Cause there's nothing that sounds vastly of the moment. Uh, it sounds modern no. without trying to sound modern, but it also sounds like it could it's have been like done at any time. It's not like cliche modern. Yes. It's like, Yeah. It's also the most rear-ended McCartney album I think he's released in some time. Like normally he front loads yeah. the fuck out of his yeah. stuff. And here it's like, I'm pretty not too fussed about the first four songs. And then once we finally get into sliding, I'm just like, ah, oh, it's 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 smooth it's sailing right to the end yeah. of yeah. the album. That's exactly like on my first listen, I like t- we 
are both working at home. So I'm in like my little office down the hall and he's in his office, which is also this room we're recording. And I'm like, man, once like sliding hits, like that the rest of this right was there, just yeah. like, whoo, so good. Like it was, it was like, it wasn't bad up until sliding, but like the first song was way too long. Like they could have cut like two minutes off of that. Um, and then, like, sliding comes in. I was like, oh, excuse the fuck out of me, Paul McCartney. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. are you right now? This is so good. And I was just like, all right, I'm in. This is good. That Sliding is like he listened to a Queens of the Stone Age record and went, yeah, I can do that. Hang on. Let me try this. <laughs> just, like, wrote that track real quick and just, like, put it I've down. I've heard Black Keys. I've heard Arctic Monkeys comparisons. Yeah. You know, it's the consensus is just it sounds like a modern rock song. Yeah. But – but it Without also still sounds of, like a classic know, Paul song. Rock song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it still sounds like a classic Paul song that you know could have been from any time, and I, I think and it could easily replace um, um, something like um, "Let Me Roll It," like just for him to be like, "I'm the lead, I'm the lead guitarist too." Like if I have to see him do "Foxy Lady" again, oh. I'm going to scream. I really am. <laughs> I don't know. Are you a fan of a lot of older legacy musicians, like in your fandoms? Um, the only other one I'm really into would be someone like Tom Waits. Really, sure. I, I really, I have. I'm deep with my musical fandom. My breadth, oh, it's pathetic. Like I, I've got play <laughs> playlists of greatest hits of most artists, but like, you know, if you want to ask me about Robert Plant or Leonard Cohen, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, um, there's this. I mean. I ask because, yeah. like, there. I think there's this point where, especially older artists, once they find like a gimmick or a a riff that they can kind of like ad lib. What's in a my show, name? Oh god! <laughs> once they can like ad lib a thing in a show, it sticks around for years, and like I really like it. It irks me as a as a listener and as a repeat attendee to hear the same jokes in 2019 that I heard at the Paul show in 2015 mm. that even in 2015 were slightly updated from the show in 2003. Yeah. Like that <laughs> bugs me. Write a joke, like right. come up with a new banter, come up with a new medley to go into. Like we don't need, like you said, we don't need Foxy lady anymore. Like, give me another song. Like, yes. I'm not here to watch the you like shred. I just want to hear your songs. The best joke I ever heard an artist say live on stage, and I saw Stevie Wonder do um, songs in the key of life the entire album. Yeah, yeah, so did we. It was great. Wasn't that great? Oh, so me and my family left to get a taxi at, like before the crowd left, and then just as like I was getting in the taxi, I could hear bow 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 bow. I was like, no, get me that. No. Turn around. Driven away. <laughs> oh yeah. god. And then we were back at the hotel for like you know nine oh three. You know, family were happy to be in uh. bed. I was just rocking no. back and forth in the feet position but um maybe stevie did this joke when you uh, saw him he, he he comes out hyde park he goes i've never seen so many beautiful people <laughs> and the crowd is the, the biggest laugh i've ever seen from a crowd and it and it dissolves the tension of oh my god he's blind like right. people can't help but just think of blindness whenever they look at stevie wonder they can't just think oh he's gonna do you know uh uh, this iconic album guess, in its uh, entirety. Or you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like Keith Richards yeah. still does, you know, when he does his solo bit in a Stones show, he goes, uh, it's great to be here. It's great to be anywhere, or whatever the joke is that he's been <laughs> doing for like 30 years because he looks like death. So it's funny. <laughs> it's still funny, but it's like, 
All right, Keith, come on, man. Like, so shall we get to the meat of the bone today? Yeah, go on then. I think, uh, <laughs> I think it's time. Uh oh. All right. I Uh-oh. feel like I, I, I took an Advil before this because I feel like I'm going to get beat up. <laughs> All right. In honor of today's songs, here in the studio with us, we have Maxwell, our dog, hanging out with us. Aww. He's asleep. To He's celebrate, so to celebrate number 179, Maxwell's Silver Hammer. Joan was quizzical, studied metaphysical science in the Majoring in medicine calls her on the phone. Can I take you out to the pictures, John? But as she's getting ready to go, a knock comes on the door. Bang, bang, that's well silver. Origins of Maxwell Silverhammer may go back much further than it would have actually seen. In early 1966, during a time when Paul was reading and absorbing art and culture voraciously, he became a fan of a French writer and absurdist named Alfred Jerry. In one of his plays in 1893, Jerry coined the term pataphysics, which he defined as a branch of philosophy or science that examines imaginary phenomena that exist in a world beyond metaphysics. It is the science of imaginary solutions. Paul heard a radio broadcast of his play Ubu Koku on BBC Radio, which he later returned two years later for his own Ubu Jubu radio show, uh, and was fascinated by his work. He and then-girlfriend Jane Asher later caught a live performance of another of Jerry's plays, Ubu Roy, uh, whose lead actor was named Max Wall. Now, it's not definite, but it seems like a total Paul maneuver that these things would burrow themselves into his little brain to use at a later time. So he began writing the song proper during the band's stay in Rishikesh. Uh, he claimed that conceptually, quote, Maxwell Silver Hammer is a karmic equalizer, a phrase that he used to describe when things are going really well or one's ego is getting too big, something will inevitably always knock you back to earth. Now, I can't quite picture him being like, oh, that's Maxwell Silver Hammer knocking you down there, John. Don't get too big for your britches. But you never know. Um, you never know. I used to say it all the time, but the cameras were never rolling when we did. <laughs> uh, when so we found out Brian died, we were like, wow, it's a it's real silver way. hammer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, man. <laughs> we, used what, we used a silver hammer to build Yoko's bed in the studio. <laughs> when they asked him after... Sorry, I, I recently watched that Paul is Really Dead thing, the, um, the last will and testament of George Harrison, the fake oh, it's documentary. So yeah. Uh, don't do not look into the director of that. That is a deep dark hole of really? strangeness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He done a he did a film that questions the validity of the Trayvon Martin case, and I'm like, Ooh. oh fuck, oh yeah, no, no, right. no, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And he did a film about Elvis is still alive, and it's got a bad photo. Like you, you know those TikTok apps that are like age any face. Yeah, it's just a picture of Elvis like that. Though. <laughs> and it's just aged to like 85 it's oh. 
Easy. Dr. Maxwell. That seems yeah, normal. <laughs> Super well, stable speaking guy. of Paul is dead, have you, there's a supposed connection because like the MI5, MI6, FBI, CIA, Mossad agent that was supposedly handling the Beatles was Moxwell and he threatened to kill them with a silver hammer. It's like, what? oh. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, this is so good. I love these conspiracies. Moxwell. So, Paul brings the song to the Get Back Sessions in January 1969, where the band spent the first week running through a number of takes on the song, developing the arrangement and lyrics. John's interest from the beginning is best described as lackluster. But that's kind of his thing at this part of the session. Um, after George quits the session on day 10, the song is shelved until July when the band is working on what will become Abbey Road. John uh, joined the in-progress Abbey Road sessions after missing the first week or so, dealing with injuries he and Yoko had sustained from a car accident. On July 9th, he had a bed delivered to the studio from Harrods, uh, which Yoko climbed into to continue her rest and recovery, and John finally joined the band for work. Kind of. Uh, on that day, Paul elected to bring back Maxwell's Silver Hammer. So, with Paul on piano, George on bass, Ringo on drums, John elected not to participate in the track. Paul worked the band through the song for the next three days, much to the annoyance of George and Ringo. During that time, multiple overdubs were laid down, including longtime assistant Mal Evans hitting an actual anvil, though Ringo may have also played the anvil. Um, a perfect encapsulation on the vibes during this session uh, comes from engineer Jeff Emmerich's book, uh, where he says, while recording the vocal ending of the song for the line Silver Hammer Man, uh, George and Ringo are there kind of just to do their jobs. John is just sitting around. Paul asks John if he wants to get in on this harmony. John replies, no, I don't think so. A few minutes later, with nothing to contribute to the song and no real want to contribute, John and Yoko left for the day. Uh, eventually, following even further overdub sessions in August and multiple mix sessions the same month, the track was finished. It was released September 26th on Abbey Road and promptly given backhanded compliments, if not full-on derision, by the three Beatles not named Paul. So, why do I have Maxwell Silverhammer at 179? Why, indeed. I'm going to put on this helmet <laughs> to protect myself from any falling debris. <laughs> so, I think Maxwell gets a bad rap. Uh, part of the allure of McCartney is that he has this wonderful, whimsical streak to him. He always has, going all the way back to A Taste of Honey or Till There Was You. By the time they get to 1969, uh, George is kind of torn between the knowledge that he's become a great songwriter, but still stuck under the shadow of John and Paul. So I think he's kind of viewing this as it's not Paul's best, and we're spending all this time on that instead of any of the songs that I'm going to put on All Things Must Pass. Uh, <laughs> John's considering himself an artist of the highest level. Uh, and he's viewing this as more, you know, of Paul's granny subpar shit. Uh, so they're really not into working on the song. And they both say so from the, like, from the word go, even in the press. Uh, even Ringo trashes the song as late as 2008, calling it the worst thing they ever <laughs> yeah. did. Uh, and Ringo trashes nothing. Like, he loves everything they ever did, except for fucking Maxwell. Um, so I think a lot, of the, a lot of this band aggression towards it stems from the fact that at this point, you know, Paul's at the absolute top of his game and he's mapping out all the parts and he knows exactly what he wants. The band relationship was such and had grown into such to where I think the writer wanted what they wanted on the track and they all kind of pushed for it. 
uh, you know, John wanted certain things on his songs. George wanted certain things on his. He wasn't afraid to cut someone's contributions like he did to John on Old Brown Shoe or something. Um, Paul knew what he wanted on his songs and said as much. And as a songwriter, it's hard to not do that when you have it fully formed in your head. You just kind of know what you want. Um, I think one of the best decisions he made uh, at the last minute was to cut the intro off the song and just come in on the vocal at the verse. You're immediately thrown into this story of Maxwell. Um, he gives you hooks everywhere throughout the song. The turnaround after the chorus, I think, is a fantastic trick. It's super sophisticated, played just gorgeously. The synth parts, I think, are fantastic. It's one of the best counter melody uh, examples I can think of. Then it's usually the kind of thing you only get from someone like a Brian Wilson. <laughs> Also, I just I really love the sonics of the track. There's so much space to it and everything sounds not clear and clean in that like Steely Dan, like no personality kind of way. But it's just got this like sp specific kind of sparkle to it that I really oh, enjoy. God, the Steely Dan people are going to come after you now. Bring it on. <laughs> um, I think where it maybe suffers on record is that it follows something, uh, which is hands down just one of the best songs ever written. Uh, following up with a track that's cheeky and slight maybe magnifies any lesser aspect of it you know it, it's hard to be to bat clean up to that song i think um and when you know then all that legacy trash talk from the band just kind of compounds on it um you know ian mcdonald in his book revolution in the head calls it paul's worst lapse of taste under the auspices of the beatles and i think that's just total bullshit you know, how anyone could like something like he Uncle says a lot Albert. of crap in that book, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like how anybody could like Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey, and then not like Maxwell at the same time. I don't understand. They're cut from the same cloth. Uh, I think it's a fine song. It's a fine album track. I think they were right to not make it a single. Um, I think it's a fine album track and a fine part of Abbey Road. And it's all just part of the greater recipe, the gumbo, if you will. Ooh. That is Paul McCartney. So. That is my two cents. The floor is open. Sam. Where to even begin? <laughs> uh, right. Firstly, the genius of the song is the fact that it comes in third place after Come Together and something. The fact that you come in with the de facto coolest Lennon song ever. That's mostly been worked instrumentally by Paul. Uh, and then you have the most sincere, earnest uh, example of Harrison, like, birthing forth from his like chrysalis you then have bang bang maxwell silver hammer <laughs> it's the ultimate fuck you to the two guys i, I really believe it is it's so funny yeah. to go from you know the beatles are this cool modern band and they're hip and they're young and it's like you gave me the answer to love eternally I, I'm a person who loves people who do whatever they want, regardless of trends. Mm -hmm. And when Paul chases trends, as we alluded to earlier, it's cringeworthy. It really is. And it's like, Paul, 
we know you wish you were born in 1920 and that you could go, you know, mammy. You know, join like the ink spots or something. You know, this is a good, this is a good band, you know. I, I like it. I like it. Five sides of a pentagon. But, like, look at silly love songs, for example. That's that's that that's a Paul protest song. It's the most upbeat, happy thing ever. But it's it's, it's just him going, "Fuck you, fuck, fuck you. you, yeah." You don't, all, if yeah. you don't like me, yeah, yeah. And it's and this so is good. Doing the same, yeah, yeah. And he he does it here with Maxwell with such effortless grace. Mm-hmm. And I mean, look at what I chose to do. Blot of Beatles with it was Martha, my dear. Like I'm not going to pretend that my favorite songs aren't things like When I'm 64 and Honey Pie. Yes, you know it. It's it's very much the kind of thing Tom Waits is into as well. Like mm. you know he's constantly doing Fats Waller and that kind of kind of thing. Um, but it's the perfect synthesis of the the kind of esoteric things that Paul wants to do and what he at the time kind of thinks the public wants to hear. Because I think it should have been a single, totally. Uh, Octopus's Garden as the B side, maybe. Uh, just see now in just, context, just, just that's to give some money, you know. In context, that's yeah. a brilliant plan. But I think you know John would have wanted, you know, he would have pushed for probably. I want you. What's the new Mary What's Jane? The new Mary Jane, something like that. Yeah, cold turkey, lads, come on. <laughs> yeah, like, but in context, that's a perfect single. Doing yeah. doing this with Octopus's Garden would be brilliant. I absolutely it, it, love it's the same this. guitar tone as well. I absolutely yeah. love this theory that it's like two middle fingers to after to like uh, to John and George, like to follow them. That's amazing. Because when I was, I try not to listen to the songs in the context of the album because I just want them to exist singularly in my head for mm-hmm. the purpose of this podcast. But for some reason today, I just sort of glanced at what was around it. And I was like, man, that's a come together something. And then yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a weird track listing. Do that's we like know, really hard to follow. Do we know who led the push on sequencing for Abbey Road? I believe John and Paul did it together. It was uh, with George Martin. I don't think there was a lot of back and forth on that. The only real issue was what was going to end it. Was it going to be the medley or was it going to be uh, I Want You, She's So Heavy? Yeah. So they let they let John end side one as a bit of a compromise. Right. Um but I don't think there was any other way of uh, putting the song on the album. I mean, it's also a great palate cleanser b- before Oh Darling, like a, a proper Paul McCartney vocal. You right, know, it's like right. he's going, you know, ah, da, 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 and then ah, just screaming. <laughs> and it's it's like he's showing that he has that diversity in two songs. Like he's already sold his, you know, role in the Beatles by song four, side one. Yeah. And it's 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 effortless again, you know. For sure. Um, I listened to Abbey Road in full for the first time today in like a year. I just I just haven't popped it on vinyl. And the song is so bright and chipper and it's such a, an instant smile. Like you'd have to have a heart of stone not to instantly have a big grin whenever whenever you hear this song. It's funny as well. Can we just talk about how funny it is? Like mm-hmm. Maxwell snuck a hammer in, into the court and he's murdering <laughs> people. Um it's like Harvey Dent in The Dark Knight, you know. It's it's it, 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 it's so surreal. And... It's very Python. It's very yes. Monty Python. Yeah, Python was released the same year as Abbey Road, right. so there's a definite kind of uh, 
you know, parallel thinking there. But the Beatles all always were hilarious. Mm-hmm. And... But it's also a little bit dark. Like he specifically right. says, like until she was dead. Yeah. Like there's no <laughs> yes. because I know, like in your sort of bio of the song, you were like, it's he's sort of meant it to be like karma. And I'm like, but he specifically said until she was dead. Like that's yeah. a kind of final. Like that's not a alluding to something that that's is... repeated bludgeoning yeah like <laughs> and it's a good thing there's a male victim at the end because if it had just been three right. women killed it'd be like oh god not no, this is... run not run it. for your life getting better all over again yeah yeah who are you george like do you even like oh. women <laughs> oh <laughs> sorry yeah. feel but, you but... like me too much coming back yeah <laughs> there's a great tom waits quote it's like i like sad songs telling me happy things and happy songs telling me sad things and <laughs> This is exactly that. Yeah. It's the most jaunty, upbeat, up-tempo thing whilst talking about repeated homicide of a serial killer. Like, Netflix could have a field day with this. <laughs> you know? that one, oh but my, that's such a hallmark. Like, that. how many times have we said on this podcast, just in the last with 38 episodes, like, they are so good at wrapping a sad or complicated topic in a happy little jaunty tune. Mm-hmm. I mean, help. Like, yeah, <laughs> like he, they're he's literally like pleading for help, but you don't even realize it because you're just like help, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like dancing along, doing your little '60s thing, and then someone tells you, like in my case, and you're like, oh shit, that's actually a really dark song. <laughs> it's the third eye blind trick. Do you not think it's ballsy to do that as well? Like Paul is not only writing more songs than everyone else and bringing more to the table, possibly, you know, subverting everyone else along the way. But he's also hampering himself with, like, homework and ideas. Like, I'm going to write an upbeat song about a serial killer just to see if I can. And I know I can do it (laughs) instantly. Not only that, but I'm also going to try and fit the word fataphysical or pataphysical in there as well, just to give it another edge and ridiculous or rare words are just funny in themselves and the, and the rhyming scheme is very nursery rhyme-esque Joan was quizzical studied fataphysical already that's fun to say already just, f- just to physically get the words out your mouth mm-hmm. is quite fun PC31 said we've caught a dirty one are you kidding that's so satisfying it's like <laughs> peeling plastic <laughs> off a new TV oh <laughs> <laughs> I remember the first time I watched the film Help. There's a scene where um, uh, an officer of some sort gets off of a plane and is introduced to like all this staff, and it's like PC eleven, PC forty three, and I, 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 what does that stand for? Do you know? Police constable. Oh, there we go. Okay, did not know. That always made me. I was like, well. Does, PC a- culture gone mad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was like, is that a callback to the the in help? Because I just didn't know. But I, I've learned something new today. Look at that. No, but that's so true amongst all Beatle things. Like it, you start connecting dots that aren't there. There's, there's so much pareidolia in the Beatle fandom. When I first heard My Brave Face, I thought it was released after Linda was dead. So, so yeah. like, and the whole song's about like moving on mm-hmm. from like an old an old lover. I was like, oh, this is Paul. Like, you know, the the the, the uncooked TV dinner that I made for two. Now nah, Linda's alive. She hadn't even been diagnosed at that point. I just completely got it. <laughs> and she's making wrong. TV dinners. <laughs> All yeah. those frozen Linda McCarthy. As long as, as long as it's a veggie one, you right. know. <laughs> uh, eat your eat your you know nut log, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> your nut log. <laughs> 
<laughs> is that even a thing? Is a nut log a thing? I don't know. It sounds like a double entendre, really. It does. Doesn't it? It does. <laughs> Ooh, matron. <laughs> Wait, aren't you eating the Linda McCartney meals? Didn't you talk about that? No. So a dream of mine is to do an episode on it, but I'll, 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 I want to do it in tandem with the company. Like I'll, I want some free stuff. It's quite expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, so I want, I want the nuggets. I want the pie and I want it brought out to me hot and I'll do some like ASMR. Uh, <laughs> the only Linda McCartney meal I've ever had. And this is, I'm loved that we're on this tangent. The sausages are fucking dope. I've they never had the sausages. Tr- it's hard to find so a lot of it here. Um, my senior year of high school, one of my best friends, his dad left town for the weekend and left him some grocery money. So before we spent the most of the money on booze, we did go to the store to get food for the weekend. And, uh, it was like, you know, frozen pizzas and things like that, but mm-hmm. they had Linda McCartney mac and cheese. So I was like, Oh, I got to try it. Oh my God. Can you buy it for me? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm not spending my money on it. So we bought the Linda McCartney mac and cheese. Delightful. Absolutely delightful, but I've never seen it in a store since then. Yeah, I've never seen it either. Yeah, I don't think it's widely distributed here. No, we gotta Bummer. we gotta make that change, or we could just go back to England. I don't think they're gonna let us fly home with Linda McCartney frozen foods. We'll just eat it while we're there. <laughs> Instead of like every meal at Pret a Manger, just <laughs> eating Linda McCartney meals in our hotel room. That's fine. <laughs> So uh, it's a shame that like McCartney doesn't allow himself to be a part of the advertising because call it Macca and cheese. You've sold another 10,000. <laughs> oh, come on. Yes. Oh. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yes. Onion <laughs> it's, Ringos. It, it's, you know, like it's the like if Disney doesn't play Magneto and Titanium Man right? and create a scene where they're both on screen together now that they've bought the rights, they're burning money. They're burning it. Well, like, come on. I'm sure they're going to have like the chain smokers cover that f- song for the film or something. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Billie Eilish's a, version of. Yes, the Billie oh. Eilish version of Magneto and Titanium Man. Magneto and Titanium Man. Julia, what do you Duh. think? Duh. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> yeah. What do you think of Maxwell Silverhammer? Um, I will say that once we reach the aftertimes post-COVID and we're allowed to do things again, uh, the next time you're in the studio, I'm absolutely having a bed brought in to just hang out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, that's the thing that's happening. Yes. And a mic. And a mic so you can voice Julia your wants a mic. <laughs> I don't know. I just, don't think... just don't touch the biscuits. I don't think don't touch anyone's biscuits. I don't want to punish anyone that much with my singing voice. I don't think that's a thing. Well, sometimes it's just to to give ideas too. Oh, you can do better than that. I'll just text you. (laughs) (laughs) Subtle. (laughs) I'm like so and so isn't living up to their potential. (laughs) They can do better. No, I'm kidding. I would never. (laughs) That's a lot. I also I don't know. I'm not a musician. I'm a total idiot. You do stuff all the time, and I'm like, sounds great. And you're like, it's terrible. These are all the things that are wrong. And I'm like, well, it sounds fine to me. <laughs> Thank you for your unerring support. <laughs> Continue. Um, I think it's really funny that you've put, like, the very storytelling songs together. Like, we just did Rocky Raccoon, Bungalow Bill, and now this one. And they're sort of – they all fall into that, like, very specific, like, this is a story and a song. I mean, I guess this one's really like three stories, um, but like that sort of song. So I think it's funny that they're all three together. Mm-hmm. Are there other songs that are very like, I'm try- I was trying to think of some earlier that are very storytelling, like these three. Are there other ones that are like that, that you like better? Um, 
there are so many like half stories that McCartney writes though. Like, did Jojo ever get to Arizona? Who knows? You Why know? did he want to go in the first place? There's nothing there. Did 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 the teddy boy and his mom like resolve their their differences? You know, was the junk ever bought? We, you Once know, she came into the bathroom window, what did she do? Like, you know, write the sequel to Ebony and, uh, and Ivory. You know, where Ooh. obviously racism ended because of that song. You know, so, obviously, it's all over now. I actually really enjoy that song. I'm not gonna lie. Oh no, no, I. As cheesy like as it Maxwell is, Maxwell Silver Hammer. I, I, if someone takes the mick out of that, like, I've got a friend, and like, I can take the mick out of him. Mm. No one else can. Like, no, 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 no. no. I become a fierce tiger it's mom. Like having a someone, brother, like, you know. <laughs> you, you leave Ebony and Ivory alone. I can call my it's, baby it's ugly. Trying. It's trying. I call my baby ugly, but don't you call my baby ugly? I'll kill you. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting that yeah. you sort of like lumped all the very like that is it. Yeah. story songs together. That was kind of funny. Um, it's, it, I hate to say this again about a Paul song. I do love Paul. So like, please don't you are anyone like, think you are a hardcore Paul. That I love Paul. Um, it's a little campy. Sure. The <laughs> Sam is like, <laughs> put his hood up. He's like, I cannot with you people. <laughs> Camp is not bad though. It's not, We're not bad. Arguing that camp no, is bad. like there, it's charm. It's like it's like charmingly campy. It's not bad campy. It's not like ugh, this is like dreck. It's like fun campy. Um, the anvil is a little bit on the nose for me. Um, but <laughs> god damn it, the song is catchy. Like I was listening to it earlier, and I didn't even realize it. I was. And I'm not like a big like foot tapper when I listen to music. Jonathan is. He's constantly like bouncing his foot with music. I was tapping my foot so hard and I was like, oh my God, what is even like it's so it just like got in my head and I was like tapping my feet and then I started doing like drums on the desk and I was like, I don't even know who I am right now. This is a whole issue. <laughs> the dogs were like, please stop, we're trying to nap. I don't like this. Um so it's it's super, super catchy. Um, I don't get why the song is so divisive. Like, I don't get why they're like, this is Paul's worst song. I don't under, you know, like, yeah, I, that's, I, that's strong. That's very strong words for this song. Yeah. Like, maybe it's not his best, but it's not bad. Like, come on, you guys. Like, yeah. relax. And I think maybe it is what you said of like the attitude in the studio, like when the song was being recorded, probably you know, affects their hindsight mm-hmm. of that time. Um, but it's really not that bad song. Like, I, I think also, like, I think we kind of touched on this when we talked with uh, Diana from Another Kind of Mind. I think there was a time, you know, after the Beatles broke up, Paul was, like, public enemy number one. And he was deemed, like, Mr. Uncool. And John was, like, the media darling. And then George was, like, look at this guy where'd he come from um so as they're talking shit about paul the media is latching onto it and paul is considered so uncool so the story just becomes recycled and recycled of just like the shit he made them do recording this stupid fucking song and people just keep repeating it like that and it just becomes legend and grows and grows yeah you know and then like it just sticks for you know 30 years to where even you know I think Paul really struggled with like public perception of like how actually fucking cool the guy is 
really for a long time. You know, I was into the avant-garde before John. <laughs> before John. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, I wrote a quite a heavy song once in 68 called Helter Skelter. Never did it again, but, you know, I can write. <laughs> exactly. Like, you know, I think a lot of that side of him gets, you know, forgotten because of just the way that tale has been spun over the years. And I think this is just caught up in there. And then, you know, because it's similar to a When I'm 64 and a Honey Pie and things like that, all those songs get thrown into it. Well, it's, 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 it's weird that you say that, because, like, if they had recorded this song back in 66, they wouldn't have anything bad to say about it. But now that everyone's got a bit of swagger and a bit more pull, mm-hmm. they've got no time for, like, Paul stuff if it's not something that they already want to do. And some of that comes down to apathy. You know, they are all admittedly lazier than Paul. He has a psychopath's work ethic. Yeah. He really does. Mm-hmm. Um but then there's going to be a bit of jealousy in there as well, that Paul not only can play all of their instruments better than they can, but he can also write songs that they can't. He can, like George said, I, I can't write songs like that where you make stuff up, Paul. He's, he's got this fertile imagination. Like, um, you know, Maxwell is as real as Auntie Jin or Uncle Ernie to me. Mm-hmm. And the last take I, I kind of thought of on the fly was, well... If we just don't care about this one, Paul will write seven more that we might like. There, yeah. There's that ele- element to it. But it's weird that Lennon is such a bitchy ex on a song that he didn't even appear on. Yeah, like, that might be a, a bit... It's a smoking gun in itself, as is the fact that McCartney's never played it live. Like, mm. the fact that he's, like... Because Paul loves to rewrite history more than Stalin. And yet, <laughs> you know, he's... He, you know, most po- most popular Paul. Yeah. Um, he's... <laughs> never played this one live like wixie would go to town on yeah. this able boy on the on, on those drums are you kidding me yeah Come on. and like george admitted later on that it's not a bad tune once they'd done it like people are like oh you know paul had them working on this for days and it's like yeah but it wasn't the only song those days that they worked on right uh, most of it was the rehearsals years prior that was probably the cumulative effect of this annoyance. I think also, I think um, George's guitar really carries the song a lot. Because he's doing all someone who doesn't things. care about the song, it's amazing, isn't it? It's so <laughs> like, good. His playing on it is fantastic. It's so tasteful. And he does yeah. it throughout the track. It's phenomenal. Like, because uh, like, if it was just strumming chords, it doesn't, it would bo- be boring. But those guitar parts give it this great life and this great push. And like, you can't just shit that kind of stuff out. Like you've got to put time and effort and talent and like yeah. heart into that. It's not like the baseline to long and winding road. Like he's right. written. <laughs> yes. It's, I'm not saying it's at that level, but you know, when Paul's like, I'd, I'd, I'd written the calls to and I love her, but it's George that wrote do, 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 do. Like that's, he, I'm not saying he does that of the same level. Mm-hmm. Like the thing that does that for me in this song is the fact that it harkens forward to Linda's Moog, uh, yeah. kind of stylings because i believe the reason the moog's so simple in the song is because they could only record one note at a time right so so we had to be boo 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 yeah. like that mm-hmm. and like that's exactly how linda's gonna play folks so it, <laughs> uh, it's if ve- she ever played at all if she ever that's a proper conspiracy theory that i'd love yeah. to explain one day but uh, <laughs> i think back to moxwell yeah it, it's it's i think it's also a very it's like a precursor to Wings to me. Like, I really mm-hmm. think, like, it's the same cloth as Uncle Albert, Magneto and Titanium mm-hmm. Man. Like, it's 
just it's part of what he does. And like he was doing it all the way back in, you know, 63, like it, when it, before he'd written those songs, when he was doing um, Till There Was You and mm. uh, well, what's the other one? A Taste of Honey. Um, you know, he's always had this lot, kind of yeah. knack for these things. Well, Paul's always talked to, and this is the I've noticed in my life. I'm very comfortable around people who are older than me. That's not a reference to you two, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Touche, like, my I'm, friend. I I will gladly have a conversation with an old granny. That's perfectly fine with me, and I'll have and I'll be engaged. And you know, Paul has always talked about that. You know, Jane Ash's parents were some of his favorite people, mm-hmm. and I, he's got no problem entertaining other parts of the audience. Because Paul, A, likes to please everyone and likes being a Beatle. Two things Harrison and Lennon could not give two shits about. What is it about me or is it about God? If not, they're not writing it. <laughs> Whereas, like, I'm really imaginative and this song is the most instrumentally complex thing that we've heard on the album so far. And it's basically structurally more, I'd say, technical. But because a few authors, you know, don't like to research their own opinions, and like to kind of peddle stuff that they read in the enemy and melody maker or they don't even take into context the fact that like the beatles were just mean after they broke up as well yeah, it's yeah. like they just say things to hurt each other <laughs> you know there's no pinch of salt taken with like lennon's comments oh i hated it it's like well you weren't on it so even like, in 1980 even in 1980 yeah. he's like i fucking hated that song like, <laughs> wow! Like, also, you wrote "What's the New Mary Jane?" Like, fuck off! That is high yeah. art. You would never yeah, understand. Get over yourself. Well, no. When 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 Paul does random lyrics, it's throwaway. It's trite. Goo goo gajoob. Oh yeah, the 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 peak of literature that is. But when when John does it, like. Like, you, like it's, it's like people who, like, review The Last Jedi. Oh, well, it subverts expectations. A subversion of expectations is not art in itself. You need to do something. <laughs> and Lennon is so overly intellectualised. And McCartney is, like, I, I can do it. You know, Paul, through not trying to be, you know, specific, he actually finds a deeper and greater truth. You can make shit up. Like, <laughs> it's, it's very easy to do. And people treat everything Lennon wrote, like, it, it's it's a tragedy that he died and I will even, I, I've even adopted the, I don't name his killer. That's, that's a weird podcasting thing that I even, sure. I think is correct. Sure. Um, and yet he, McCartney, because he survived, because he put out spies like us, he's never been forgiven. You know, Oh God, <laughs> Lennon would never have done broad street bollocks. He did rock and roll. You know, he was not above <laughs> doing something for a, a quick buck. And People but, don't and, like McCartney and, as well just because he he wants to work. Oh, you want a job, don't you, Paul? People don't seem to. And like you know, that I think one of the things all. that people forget about John is, you know, he goes on this break for five years. Double Fantasy is basically just an EP's worth of music, like, mm-hmm. and it's not all great stuff from John. Like, it's kind of hit or miss. Uh, the stuff on Milk and Honey again, kind of hit and miss. He maybe only had an EP's worth of good songs that year. Um, I don't know if that is part of why the record is, you know, one John, one Yoko, one John, one Yoko and back and forth. But like he wasn't turning out like killer stuff every year. Um, and it's totally possible, just, just, if not probable. Just look, that... at the letter B. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's, the let's, let's, sessions. Perfect like, example. Oh, I'll, 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 I'll do it across the universe. Uh, Paul will write half of one of my songs for me. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not going to do any of George's chords. You know, I'm not going to be involved in For You Blue unless he gives me a slide guitar to play with whilst I'm smacked out on opium. Right. You know, it's... <laughs> Just enjoy being a Beatle, John. Please just bring some A-game material. And he just doesn't. But Paul comes in with, I've got Long and Winding Road. I've got Let It Be. Let's, yeah. let's do this thing. You know? Well, and I think that all goes back to ego is, you know, John was not used to, you know, not, I guess he was not used to being second fiddle. And not that he's second fiddle, but he kind of is at this point because someone's got to pick up the slack when the other half of the greatest songwriting duo in the world isn't really writing anything. You know, would rather be, you know, releasing balloons into the sky or, you know, storm oh, heroin. I mean, are you saying there wasn't a really dramatic cinematic argument where, like, Paul was like, well, someone had to take care of the band after Brian died. Well, no one asked you to, you know. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Was I trying to keep the most influential, successful band of all time together? Oh, no, I don't like not having four songs on the album. You're still in the Beatles. Like, get over yourselves. Like, George Harrison being uh, third fiddle, but your third, but your third fiddle. There's no the one else above Beatles. you. you just, yeah. yeah, come on. Like, yeah, he goes over to. Sorry, uh, I'm, I think I'm venting what... now. No, no, I've opened the gate. I've opened the gate. It's, it's hard to close it. A good Sam rant is is always <laughs> is always worthy. No, I, you know, I, I think it's it's telling you when he goes over to America in '68. And he's hanging out with Dylan and the band and, you know, and they're all just treating him like a god. And then he goes back <laughs> there and he's like, I am that fucking good, aren't I? Because uh, he's not writing any fucking songs. Um, something's as good as anything Paul's written. So maybe I don't need to deal with this shit anymore. Yeah, I find that whole period just uh, bruised egos and, um, you know, just people, just them being bullheaded idiots. Yeah, just yeah. like being humans and like getting in their feelings about shit. And, I mean, but I guess it, it, you know, it's not like a normal business. It's a creative endeavor, and mm. they weren't surrounded by people treating them like people. They were surrounded, I'm sure, by a bunch of people that just told them yes to everything and told them how amazing they were individually, and you know, yeah. So I think that probably just like mucked the waters, muddied the waters a whole bunch and made everything just very icky and hard to deal with. And can I can I throw out a props here? I want to throw out props to Mal Evans, because during the get back sessions, Paul says it would be really great if we had an anvil on this track. Can you can you get an anvil? <laughs> so dude goes and gets an anvil. They then leave Twickenham a week later. So Maul then has to move the Anvil to the Apple Studios. Now, I'm assuming because they don't work on the track for several months, he probably has to then bring the Anvil back to whoever he borrowed it from because people don't just have spare Anvils lying around. So then he's got to go back and get the Anvil again and bring it to Abbey Road. Like, poor guy. And I, I never really understood, I think, how heavy an anvil was until a couple years ago, we were going to do a, a show covering the entirety of Abbey road. And I put out an ask on Facebook. Does anybody have an anvil? I can borrow <laughs> and was met with a resounding chorus of, are you fucking for real? Do you know how much an anvil weighs? <laughs> so 
A little bit. You'll pour a little bit out from Mile Evans. Feel bad for the guy. I mean, did you? Did, do you? Like, he got to hang out with the Beatles. And, like, I his... mean, he didn't have the greatest of, it wasn't the best situation. Like, I don't really know his story. Job was cool. Uh, pay wasn't great. Um, and, yeah. you know, didn't end well for old Mal in the end. Yeah. Like, he, Poor guy. the moment the band broke up, yeah, he kind of lost everything because his life was the Beatles. And Aww. another one of those annoying conspiracies is he was about to release a book of his memoirs. Yeah. And then, and then he, it was either suicide by cop or, uh, police taking a mental health case and escalating it needlessly not that we get political on these podcasts or anything anything like that 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 was literally mal evans yeah sad yeah Yeah. okay all right he had a a rough ending yeah yeah. He could lift the hammer as well. It's him striking because apparently Ringo's dinky little arms couldn't. <laughs> could, no, could, dude, I read that. Dude. That's bullshit. Like, drummers have a little bit of arm strength there. Like, you build up muscles from playing drums. You just do. Now, in, now, in my head, it's like a Thor, like Mjolnir sized hammer. <laughs> like the kind of thing that you would get at like a fair to hit the. The, the thing oh, to see like how strong, like strong how strong are you like a leopard print leotard <laughs> yes so all right let's uh let's circle back how do we feel about maxwell silver hammer at 179 Uh-oh. i've got a feeling out of 223 you're gonna put it significantly higher than i have it would that be yeah, but would that I'm be very off? biased though i like this <laughs> stick you know <laughs> i love all together now you know, i love all together obladi um, like this could be like Obladi Obladar part two if there was an equivalent of Lennon coming in going right fuck this and hitting the piano keys really loud <laughs> and and adding something to the to the song right because I also kind of think like obviously um, I didn't find out this until um, I didn't find this out sorry until I saw Lewison's Hornsey Road live show I was like oh John Lennon was in an accident and wasn't there for like a good chunk of the Abbey Road sessions that's mm-hmm. really interesting maybe Paul knew that from past experience, like John in a heroin stupid make, I really don't like that song, Paul. And he chose to do it whilst John was there purposely as to like, you know, oh, John won't want to do this. I will record it without it. But it could be something quite yeah. considerate if it is at the uh, expense of George and Ringo's sanity. But uh, yeah. yeah, I definitely place, place this one a lot higher. Probably oh. in my top 50. Top 50? Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. We were looking at the at the rankings earlier today, and I was looking at my top ten and top twenty and top fifty, and just all John, yeah, all John. And I'm telling her, and I'm telling her, I'm gonna get roasted at some point. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm just gonna get dragged. That's okay. Where would you put it, my dear? Um, I don't know. I feel like this is maybe a bit right. I don't know that I'd move it too much. But I also haven't done a ranking. Um, so, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fine. It's fine. I feel like when we get towards the end, you need to do your own oh, man. ranking. That's probably a good idea. Once you've like gone through every, through the whole catalog, you should then do a, a co-ranking. That should be like our second to last episode yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And just like blow minds. <laughs> no, you're just trying to get the hate mail off of you and onto me. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how to get it Sam's way. When did you start Paul or Nothing? Uh, Paul, we've been going for half a decade now, actually. We've been going about five wow. years. Are you serious? Oh. That long? Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, I saw your... God, God I'm old. God. Oh, oh, dear. Good God. Oh, dear. <laughs> this one. Oh, 
Just wait no, till next uh, year when you can buy alcohol. Jeez Louise. Oh, yay. No. Uh, Five years. I, that's, I, that's incredible. Yeah, half a, half a decade, and I'm I'm still not on off the ground yet. Um, no, uh, I probably should have finished it ages ago. But again, like like I mentioned earlier, it it's like a snowball. You're like, oh, I can talk about this, and then I can then I can talk about this, and oh, there's I can add this, and add this, and add this, and there's no end in sight now. I'll probably end it twenty thirty seven, something like that. <laughs> I, like the original idea was that. I was going to do it quite quickly, just the albums, and then I was going to do Paul Simon, and then I was going to do like Paul Weller. Um, <laughs> but then it was like, because it would still be Paul or nothing then, but it's like, yeah, I'm not sure how many Paul Weller podcast fans are demanding content from me <laughs> specifically. Like, yeah. You know. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. How do you keep yourself from getting burned out on these things? Uh, but by not having a fixed promised schedule. <laughs> uh, valid. Uh, <that's> <laughs> valid. Yeah. Like, you know, you can't you can't be late if you never set a date. You know? <laughs> <laughs> think about it. Think about it. But even no, just in like, terms of like listening, like, you know, li- listening to the music and, you know, just the whole experience. Um, there have been times I've, where I'm I've... not adventurous enough. <laughs> <laughs> There have been times where I like not not that I'm like burned out on the Beatles, but where like my listening decreases. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always there, but there have definitely mm-hmm. been, you know, years and eras and phases where like I've listened less. Um, I'm definitely listening a lot more these days than I have in the past. Um, but, you know, five years on on just one person's solo career, like. What do you keep digging? Like, what do you keep finding as you dig? Like, what keeps that fresh? You know, I've never really thought about it that way. But like, I I even do a side series now where I'm re-reviewing albums I've reviewed already before I've even completed the first like run through. So I haven't even got up to McCartney three yet, and I'm already thinking about re-reviewing Venus and Mars. Mm-hmm. And there has there has to be something quite attractive in terms of me wanting to do that. I like I say, I'm not particularly adventurous in exploring new music. Like I probably discover more new music through Spotify recommendations than through actually like going, Oh, I should go and listen to that new St. Vincent album. I quite like her. You know, I'm, I'm so uh, trepidatious about that. It's very un- un- unattractive and poor to admit as a podcaster really. But <laughs> like the thing is with the Beatles and Paul McCartney, it allows you to be a nerd. You can just, like there's like you can learn the stats and all the dates, and there's so much. And do you know this track? Do you know this track? Ooh, that one was unreleased. Oh well, actually that was on a single U.S. pressing of like the 12 inch maxi single. And all you can, it's never ending. It's yeah. so much fun. And like in terms of like collecting now, it's not just about having all the albums. It's having all the versions of the album you know <laughs> yeah uh, like i've got a red uh russian album with a yellow star at the top and a red one with a gold star at the top and that was worth 20 dollars. i can tell you that you know. <laughs> i uh you know, looking at your instagram i keep seeing you know you keep getting records from your fans and i'm like man where are our fans send us stuff like i want stuff it, I, it, it took it took me four and a half years so you can wait you can wait <laughs> I haven't earned it yet. Uh, <laughs> we got to put in yeah, the put in I the mean, time. Still, st- still haven't appeared on things we said today. Still haven't appeared on a, uh, I've got a Beatles podcast or you know Fab Four Free for All or Rodriguez or Buskin Show. But yeah. you know, I'm glad I'm glad that 
what I'm calling, I feel like I'm the second wave of Beatles podcasting, and then the third one would be the COVID folk, I guess would be the, the safest way to put <laughs> it. The latest you know, generation of Beatles podcasters. And I found it's been so much more community-based than it ever has been. Like a lot of the old podcasts were quite singular, mm-hmm. or they don't have other podcasters on, that kind of thing. They only have proper guests. Sure. I mean, your show is a wonderful blend 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 of that and like I, I mentioned off air that i was a bit nervous earlier and that's only because of like imposter syndrome like when you have like <laughs> the guy who wrote the theme uh, for the uk sitcom peep show <laughs> Sean, all, like i was i was watching peep show this morning and i didn't know that and i was i was just scrolling through and i was like oh let's just let's do a bit of this one i was like so i'm guessing someone cancelled to <laughs> Find 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 a quick booking. Oh, you know, everyone knows Sam's on furlough till April. He'll do it. <laughs> you know, it, that's been one of the weirdest things with this is um, is thinking like, you know, who can we who can we interview? You know, because the first, you know, I don't know, the first season was mostly all people that we know and yeah. that are like in our circle. And then, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to have the same people back so soon. Who else could we ask? So I started just kind of like making a list of like artists that we really like and then like you know a lot of them i already followed on social media and then realized they're just as bored as we are and they're not doing anything <laughs> nobody's yeah. working so it's just as simple as like reaching out and asking and like people are into it and people that love to talk about the beatles love to do it yeah surprise um, people like to talk about the beatles <laughs> yeah <laughs> like we've got some guests coming up in an, a couple months that like i've been fans of their like sean I've been fans of their work for years. I would have never thought that they would be on this show, but they're like, "Fuck yeah, dude! I got nothing else to do. Let's do that." I can so, do, I can do an hour, or yeah. you know, like an hour and a half, or yeah. like I can I can talk about the Beatles for an hour and a half. Everybody knows Lawrence Jube has got nothing better to do right now. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I feel like we've uh, we've put a good uh, a good pin on that. So way higher for you, maybe just right for us. So maybe somewhere in the middle is where we should put it. If we were reassessing a group, a group assessment, a group assessment. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what's good for you, yeah. <laughs> smooth, smooth things over. Yeah. You know? So I want to do some rapid fire questions with you. I also want to do some extra rapid fire questions that are more oh. Paul centric. If that's oh. okay. Do you want to start with the traditional rapid fires? Um, sure. What? Oh, are you ready? Do you need to like doing yeah. some calisthenics, <laughs> some stretching? Wipe your brow. <laughs> me, 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 mama, mama, me. Yeah, there we go. I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. Deville. He's been called the songbird of his generation. <laughs> or is it Demille, Mr. No, it's Mr. Demille, not Deville. Sorry. I always it's, thought it was I, Deville too. No, because it's Cecil it's Demille. B. Demille. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Eh. But for some reason, it sounds like Deville. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, which uh, is your favorite Beatles album at the moment? Uh, you added the caveat there. I very clever, yeah. Because uh, you find out after asking people this question, "What's your favorite Beatles album?" They always they, they always say, "Well, I can't, I can't, you know, yeah. change yep. it." You know, um, you know, that's like saying you like bacon or oxygen. You know, it's like <laughs> you're not special. Um, probably Rubber Soul. It's always been Rubber Soul. It used to be Revolver, but. It's that, again, I like things that are mixtures. It's the old Beatles meets the new Beatles. Yeah. You know, it's it, the, the Dylan Stoner phase. You've got great songs like Drive My Car. Um, 
you know, uh, it's it's got a Ringo writing credit on it. What more do you want from a Beatles album? <laughs> you know? How about uh, your favorite Beatles song at the moment? Can I give you my top five in no particular rule? Yes, please. So it's actually a two-two-one split between John Paul and George, um, and that was totally by by accident. But I couldn't help but think of the four-four-four split uh, com- <laughs> uh, com- conversation. I didn't think George's songs were very good up until now. <laughs> what do you mean within you, without what you, Paul? <laughs> are you fucking mad? <laughs> what a Why did Todd gently weeps? Right. Were you in the studio? <laughs> Were you not playing the busiest bass part on that song? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, in no particular order, uh, Babies in Black, Hey Bulldog, Martha My Dear, For No One, Within You, Without You. I am a Easy. fan of all five. Yeah, I I feel like Babies in Black doesn't get a ton of love. And I don't know why, because it's a great song. Mm-hmm. And they played it live for like a year and a half. And it's great live. Um, and it's the best non-two-chord Beatles song to learn on guitar to make you think yeah. like you can play guitar. Because <laughs> like it's like, oh well, I can see why the chords go that way. E to E seven, that makes sense. Like it's one of <laughs> you know, you know what you, you know what you know when Paul's like, oh, Buddy Holly's got three chords you can play along. All of my favorite Beatles songs, coincidentally, are also very easy to play on guitar as well. <laughs> That's one we play it almost every show with my Beatles cover band. And almost every time we play it, when we get to the bridge, I'm like, oh, fuck, what are the chords here? Uh, and then I have to, like, look over the other guitar player, and then, then I'm good. While I'm also singing the Paul part. So this was, a, like, the moment <laughs> of the show where I'm like, oh, I'm going to eat it here. Uh, <laughs> sometimes I do. Uh, to counter that, your least favorite Beatles song. Oh, it's it's all the early B-sides from the singles. So, like, you know, a bad boys in the... Oh, all that oh, rubbish, you know. Oh, no. Oh. Or you know, yes, wait, wait, it is. Wait, 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 wait. Suck what? a dick. What? Devil in what? a heart. Can, what? Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. How? Okay. I swore the other day that I was never going to question anybody's <laughs> opinion. But how can you say yes, it is? You is like bottom of the barrel for you, bad boy. It just, it, it just feels generic. It just feels generic. Beatles like. Oh. It's like a computer algorithm read all the Beatles stuff and then like auto-generated <laughs> oh. a Beatles song. Doesn't that exist on YouTube? Didn't someone do that? I think there is like an AI Beatles song. Oh, that, that. We have to look bet, that up. I, I bet that's amazing. <laughs> I am like flabbergasted at that. Are you okay? <laughs> I almost want to drop some future ranking numbers right now on those two. Because I you know what if if, if ever come to it. If I come to an American Beatles fest, we can we can oh. sort it out like men. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man. By complaining about it while drinking beer. Yep. <laughs> I would love to be in a New Orleans prison, and the people I'm like, "What are you in for? <laughs> Got in a fight about the Beatles?" <laughs> man, I think that's the that's like Strong. the biggest reaction I've ever had to someone's response. I I feel I feel assaulted mentally little child annoys me yeah yeah throw that in the trash uh, but yes yeah. it is mostly the harmonica stuff if if let goes <laughs> I'm, um, same i'm with you yeah. no when you mentioned uh any harmonica that's mixed high i was like yeah that's it it's yeah. too yeah yes you know when matthew mcconaughey in wolf of wall street is like you know just noise <laughs> you know it's it's just <laughs> shut up it's like piercing but, uh, yeah, it's not good. A song that doesn't get enough credit though would be um, "I'll Be Back Again." 
that's probably my, oh, yeah. my go-to underrated or like long 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 i know the blottos love that song yeah, as well that's a great song i think the biggest problem that song has is that it's so quiet like people just don't absorb it because it's so quiet so two further drug-induced beetle stories two separate times allegedly i would have been a bit too uh frazzled shall we say and there's a moment of quiet at the end of a day in the life i was on the bus just not never to see any other <laughs> absolutely and then it and then um i thought i was having a mild stroke when you know just harrison at the end of long 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 goes oh. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> like a, ban a, a banshee was over my shoulder or something. It was terrifying. I think we had a guest on who had a similar experience with the end of that. Like they were sitting around and they had maybe imbibed on something and that bit comes on and it like freaked them out. That's like a spooky little moment there. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. How about, do you have a least favorite album? Probably Let It Be. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a fine Paul solo album uh, <laughs> with guest appearances by yeah. George and John. I mean, John. I love "For You Blue," but it's like, come on, George, you could have pushed "Isn't It a Pity" a little bit harder, yeah? Come right. on, yeah. right? Yeah. Why is Why is "Old Brown Shoe" not on the album instead? I'll why give is... you that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. All right, so I want to do some Paul centric ones. Um, favorite. Paul solo song and if you want to you can do Wings era solo era if you want to split it up in a, a way like that non Beatles but if you come with like Beatles era and give me something off of the family way I'm going to tell you you're lying um, <laughs> favorite Paul song or songs uh, I mean do I want to be like a real contrarian here and like annoy people like oh it's got to be a single pigeon um, <laughs> you gave me the answer <laughs> That is definitely in my top 50. I yeah, do love, I love that, that song. song. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the moment, it would be something like Uwe. Uwe. I can say this. Uwe. I can't. I can't. I physically can't say it. <laughs> I physically can't. But yeah, that one. I love that track. Uh, Good Night Tonight. Um, Monkberry Moon Delight. Uh, Power Cut from the Red Rose Speedway medley. Uh, With a Little Luck. Uh, Morse Moose and the Grey Goose. How could I forget that? <laughs> Through Our Love from Pipes of Peace. Um, loads of the um, deleted uh, Phil, Phil Ramone songs like uh, Atlantic Ocean, I Love This House. Um, oh my gosh, what else? Uh, Pretty Little Head, the album mix, the Superior album mix. Mm. Not a terrible single. Figure of A, anything off McCartney 3, like... I don't know why, but anyone over the age of 40 doesn't like Deep Down for some reason. And that it's like is, the yeah, best song on the album. That. I have noticed yeah. that. I, I think, yeah. uh, no, my favorite one is, um, I think Deep Deep Feeling is my jam on that. You know that Deep Deep Feeling. It's just yeah. the constant, oh. like, the constant reoccurrence of Deep Deep Pain. <laughs> <laughs> just every 30 seconds, Deep Deep Pain. You know that, like, so, so many Paul songs have one moment in it that's really, what? And it, and it sells you the song. Like, you know that? In uh, list of what the man said, just random. There's a little kissy kiss sound. Uh -huh. Yeah, it, it's a bit. It's like, and every time it rings, it sometimes feels too much. You know, I feel that pain when I feel your loving touch. Like it just drops the pitch for no reason. <laughs> and I'm like, love that. It's so I good. Love that. Or, <laughs> that or that, or that uh, acoustic line in deep down. Just, doo, doo, doo. 
was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's the strength of melody from 1962. Yeah. It's still there. It's it's insane. It's, uh, yeah. Short answer, there's too many songs to, to, to mention, really. Okay. Do you have a least favorite McCartney song? If there's one that you would just say, chuck it in the trash, it will be tossed. <sighs> Get rid of it entirely. I don't like When the Night from Retro Speedway. Uh, I think that's quite tepid. Um, get rid of Crossroads. Why is Lunchbox Odd Socks not at the end of Venus and Mars? That's very offensive to me. <laughs> um, I mentioned Krina Crore earlier. Uh, anything that has an Elvis Costello co-write on it that isn't my brave face can go suck a bag of dicks as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the worst songs I've noticed aren't the ones you passionately hate because like, I can talk about uh, something like well, it used to be Mumbo. I used to get a good hour out of Mumbo for like every, for like every episode. But it's the ones that are just kind of forgettable, mm-hmm. you know. Unfortunately, a lot of them are ones that the other members of the band sung, except for something like uh, "How Can I Not Mention No Words," like arguably my favorite song. Yeah, off band on no the words is so good. And you know, it's 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 ended every episode of the show since day one, and that's purely because that solo at the end is gorgeous. Uh, mm. Every episode's open with. Um, temporary secretary because my best friend turned to me and said what's the most annoying song that will turn people away I was like oh, oh I know what I'll do perfect. I'll, do. I'll put temporary secretary on love it yes. it would have been that or uh, check my machine where I was going to change oh. the vocal and I go hi people hey listeners like and it, it, like you know how like some stuff from the Beatles catalog like it's on the cutting room floor for a reason right like, Along with me calling myself Sailor Sam for the unaired pilot. Like, oh, oof. talk <laughs> oh, about cringe, no. you know. Uh, but I am from Birmingham, so it does make sense. Okay, but okay. I'm not a sailor. I'm, I'm, I'm terrified of open water. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to, next time I need to think of a, uh, a song for the opening of the show, I want to do Check My Machine, but like, Rank! Rank! Beat a song, 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 song! Rank! 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 <laughs> but I feel like it's really obscure and people are going to not understand what I'm doing. Because without the. It's the only song with no like lyrics on the internet because he just goes. <laughs> what? <laughs> Enunciate, Mr. McCartney. Enunciate. Thinking. Speaking the Queens. Thinking. Yeah. It's thinking of linking. Well, I feel good. How do you feel about what, where we've where we've found ourselves at here, Sam? I love your Marmite I mean, mug, by the way. Oh, you know what Marmite is. Oh, I, I'm so impressed. So I, I, I know what it is. I haven't had it, though. And, like, I have I keep reading, like, how divisive Marmite is. Uh, it's not that I keep reading like, <laughs> Marmite Gate. My research in Marmite. Uh, but, no, I, I have read it's a very divisive thing. Um, and I have a hard time. Um, buying things that I know I don't know if I like because I don't want to buy mm-hmm. a jar of Marmite if I'm going to be like, oh, this is trash, and then I've wasted food That's that someone music. else would want. That's being music. There exactly. you go. <laughs> totally get that, yeah. So I do know what it is. I have not tried it. It is on my list of if I'm ever somewhere and someone's like, well, I've got peanut butter, I've got cheese, I've got Marmite. I'm going to try the Marmite today. It Isn't just it just like happened. a brown spread? Yeah, it tastes so like it's, brown. It's, it's made of yeast. It's an off-product of like the beer-making industry. Okay. It's like a, a, a savory molasses, essentially, and you spread yeah. it over your toast. Yeah. And it tastes like, well, um, there's another one called Bovril, which is beef-based. 
um, kind of similar thing. And then you've got Vegemite in Australia as well. Yeah. Like mm. it's, 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 it's a rabbit hole, but I'll, if you ever hear me on the show say there's a Marmite song, that's because it's a song that you either love or you hate. Love it. It's a very famous marketing campaign by Marmite. It's the only product I know that admits that half of the potential customer base do not like it. <laughs> <laughs> That's brave marketing. <laughs> but, like, I got respect for that. At least they're honest. Well, I mean, um, you know, McCartney wanted to release hot hits and cold cuts, and, that, and his manager was like, you're not calling it that. You can't say that half of it's crap. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so good, though. Like, hot yeah. hits and cold cuts. Well... Sam, where can everybody check out Paul or Nothing? Uh, simply go onto YouTube, whatever podcasting app you use, and type in Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. There are no other ones, so ignore any other results. It's probably some sort of um, cyber attack hack or something like that. I'm <laughs> not, not too sure. Russian uh, find us on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Russian album. Uh, oh yeah! I wonder what Paul or nothing in acrylic Russian would be. I need, I need, I need to work that out. Actually, because <laughs> that'd be that'd be quite funny for the for the actual episode. Yeah. Make a note of that one. Um, <laughs> find me on Twitter at uh, McCartney Pod. There's the sister blog, which is horribly unupdated. Uh, 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 WordPress.com/slash McCartney Pod. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much on all the social media, so if you're on it, you can probably find me there. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show because I, I always like to make these capitalistic connections and network with other with, yeah. other, with other podcasts, you know, in a very shameless way. But for I sure. like to think we always have a nice chat as well along, along the way. For sure, and it's all, I think you know, like you were saying about this kind of wave of podcasts that I think are you know working together, and it, we're all talking about the same thing in different ways. And why not do it together? It's fun, you know, like. I, oh yeah, and and your episode with with Diana was fucking awesome. Thank you so much. I really yeah. We, that yeah. we really were so fretting about that. Going oh my into, gosh, I was ill. Like for weeks, it was like, it. how are we gonna do this episode? Oh my god. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was really good. I'm really proud of that episode. Thank you. I think that was the first Beatles podcast to pass the Bechtel test as well. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't count on another kind of mind because they're all part of the same podcast. So I was like, two women and they're not on the same Beatles podcast. <laughs> Bully, they're going to give them the vote next. Crikey. <laughs> Actually, just just let me mansplain you something about you gave me the answer. All right. <laughs> yeah, there were definite moments of like me just backing away from the mic should not add anything to this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> and like it was so great to have Diane on. She's absolutely brilliant and the research they do is unreal. Amazing. Um, and just so insightful and was so easy to talk to and it was really great to just like take that journey for a very difficult topic yeah. with her. I just have I to say one that. thing about uh, A-K-O-M. On their latest episode, they mentioned that they always told dick jokes. Not till they came on Paul or Nothing did the dick <laughs> jokes really start. <laughs> like, I think I, th I think they saw, like, oh, you can actually be a hack comic whilst also doing a Paul McCartney podcast I, or a Beatles uh, podcast. I, I, got, I got through the first hour of it yesterday, and I think penis was said like 78 times oh i <laughs> haven't listened like, to yes, it yet lots of talks about dicks <laughs> I I love know, a good dick conversation. Thought, you know obviously 
another kind of mind are horrendous feminazis, according to uh, <laughs> some of the people out there, which is hilarious. And I, and I hope they continue to troll that that, fa- that that fan base forever. But um, and so I thought, what is the yeah? And I thought, what is the first question I could ask another kind of mind? And it was, which Beatles got the biggest pee pee? <laughs> <laughs> No, what I what I really do love though is I I think um you know the different angles that everyone is exploring uh the catalog from and the band from is really you know important to keeping the conversation about the band going and not just retreading the same mm-hmm. uh tropes and stories I mean there it's been told so many times um mm-hmm. you know for everyone to find these kind of new routes to talk about it is is super super fun and for me as a fan it keeps me interested because you know i mean i am a little bit older uh than you um but like every day got a little bit older (laughs) a little bit slower uh no i mean i've I've listened to this stuff a million times i've read a ton of books and like it's fun it's nice to like have it refreshed you know it's like changing the sheets on your bed sometimes it's just nice there's been a parallel with the literature as well, though, because at first you had, you know, you've got things we said today, Fab Four, Free For All, Rodriguez and Buskin, the old white men talking about it, basically. And now, as with the literature, you've got, like, people's perspective, you know, the Beatles in India, mm-hmm. Beatles and African-Americans, like, and Beatles and women, and women's opinions on the Beatles. And it's opened up in the exact same way in, 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 in the podcasting world, and it's only benefited from it because... If I have to hear once more that Maxwell Silverham is not very good, I'm gonna lose it. I am. I'm gonna lose it. One more white guy shitting on Maxwell Silverhammer this week on Ranking the Beatles. It's, it's the Ed Sheeran of like musical opinion. It's like, oh, not another one. Uh, now remember, I didn't say it was bad. I like the song. It just has to have a home in the list. Yes. And there are others I just like more. And listen, at the end of the day, like. P.S. I love you crawled so Maxwell Silverhammer could walk so the Abbey Road medley could run. Yes. Uh, well done. P.S. Uh, love me do is a classic. Yes. By uh, spies like us. I love uh, talking about that on this show. When that pops up, it's like, oh, you haven't heard P.S. Love me do? Oh, oh, oh let me blow your mind. <laughs> I can't believe Paul still doesn't do if I were not up on the stage. <laughs> like, that is is the best opening to Hey, hey, no, 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 no. We don't do that one. We do this one. Hey, that, that is the most showman thing ever. Oh, it's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, good to, it's good to be here. It's good to be anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> A long time ago, I met Fats Domino, and the crowd do not cheer right. at that beat at all. It's really like, who? Yeah. Oh, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> and he, he, he met him right here in New Orleans, just a few miles up the road. So, and uh, I'll tell you what he told to me. He said, "You, you made me oh. Like what a, what uh, a stupid, <laughs> stupid banter that is. I love it. At least it's not Foxy Lady, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So I want to thank you so much for finally coming on here and chatting with us. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, we've still got a hundred and 78 other songs to go so we will have to do this again in short order my friend a hundred percent and julia is more than welcome to come on the show just julia <laughs> <laughs> yes i'll have to have my paul shawl made before then yes <laughs>
Perfect. Wonderful. No, honestly, thanks. This is this has been so much fun. Likewise, uh, man. Know, Thank I, you so much. Like, this has been a blast. When I started, Paul, and I think the dream was, oh, I can't wait to one day be the person that's guesting on the other shows, not the guy going, could you, could you please <laughs> talk to me for an hour and a half, please, Mister Mister Anthony Rotuno? You know, now it's 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 uh, you know this it, it rubs my ego in a special way as well as being my favorite thing to do. Yeah, like. If you were looking at me today, frantically writing my notes, going, what do I think of this song? It doesn't look like I'm having much fun. <laughs> but I'll, there's no other way I'd rather spend my day, lockdown or no lockdown. For so sure. Thank you for this. Agreed. Thank you, man. Well, we'll talk to you soon then, all right? Cool. Killer. Peace of love. Peace of love. Sam Wiles, everybody. So fun. So much fun. I haven't oh laughed gosh. that much in a, in a, in a dog's age. <laughs> Whatever that is. Did you enjoy it? I did. He's very funny. He is a funny guy. Funny guy. Uh, his podcast is incredibly fun. Um, we highly encourage you all to go check out Paul or Nothing. Whether you're a hardcore Paul fan or a softcore <laughs> Paul fan. <laughs> <laughs> or you just like a good rant. <laughs> yeah, the dude. The dude's rants are pretty uh, phenomenal. I really love when other Beatles podcasters come on the show because mm. I feel like they... Um, take the heavy lifting off of me <laughs> it's good for me it allows they can, you like, to uh, just sit back and relax yeah just coast a little bit enjoy the fireworks <laughs> yeah it's nice because all of the guest Beatles podcasters that we had on are all like as invested in the Beatles as you are so it's mm-hmm. it's always nice to see you like connect with people about the Beatles that are as knowledgeable if not more so than you yeah because I'm just like 95% of the time have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, and it, it's fun because it's like discovering more members of your tribe. Yes. You know? Yeah. So. Just always fun to find your people. Exactly. So, friends, what do you think? Maxwell Silverhammer at 179. Too high? Too low? Just right? Let us know in the comments uh, on Facebook or Twitter. If you're not following us, we are on Facebook at Ranking the Beatles, Twitter at Ranking Beatles, and Instagram at Ranking the Beatles. That's correct. Yeah. So give us a follow if you're digging it. Uh, we would love it if you told a friend and uh, give us a review on your podcast provider of choice. Hopefully it's a nice review. We love nice reviews. That'd be swell. And um, yeah, let us know how you feel. Uh, We hope you've enjoyed this week's show. We will be back next week with a brand new episode. So, until then, y'all have a wonderful week. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Julia. This has been Ranking the Beatles. Adios. Bye, y'all.